saying hello and goodbye is um, is really underrated in the contractor world. So when you show up in the morning before you commence work, you make a formal good morning to the customer. Hello, I'm here, reminding them your name again. And then you're saying when you're leaving at the end of the day, do not drift into your car and drive away. You need to have a formal goodbye. I'm leaving your property. Thank you for having me as a guest today mentality. Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan and I am back as your episode host for a conversation with Kevin Nolan, CEO of Nolan Painting and partnering coach at Nolan Consulting Group. Having started painting houses in 1979 and building a successful business focused on providing top-notch professional quality and service in the residential repaint space, Kevin and his team are no strangers to the curveballs and roller coasters of the customer service experience. While 30 plus years of happy customers and successful jobs is the foundation of the company's strong reputation and brand presence in the community, this discussion is focused on the small percentage of tough situations, those jobs that don't go quite as well as promised, and the fallout that can ensue. Because while they may be few in quantity, they can swiftly derail the team when they happen, suck the energy out of the operations, and do more damage to the company's reputation if the resolution isn't handled with urgency, humility, and a keen awareness to emotional intelligence at the onset. On this episode, Kevin shares his approach to dealing with jobs gone wrong, lessons learned along the way, the importance of having those crucial conversations with customers, and how the team shares the responsibility of setting the tone for the customer experience at each touch point along the way. A quick shout out to Brian McCracken, president of All American Painting Plus in Reston, Virginia, for this episode topic request. If you have a podcast topic request, please reach out and share. We'd love to make it happen. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode here of Out of the Hourglass. I'm joined by Kevin Nolan, CEO of Nolan Painting, a partner at Nolan Consulting Group, and coach at Nolan Consulting Group. I feel like I haven't alluded to that title before, Kev. You, you're now coaching Summit members. Well, yes, I'm coaching a couple of Summit members. And of course, I'm coaching my team all yes. the time now on um, basically how to run the company uh, after I'm gone. So yes, I'm a coaching rule now. I need to get a hat. It's, yeah, you need, need to wear the coaching hat. Uh, yeah. Well, Kev, thanks so much for joining us. When we actually had one of our Summit members reach out um, as a request for this particular topic, talking about dealing with customers, tough situations, having crucial conversations, um, because we're in the customer service industry. And I said, that's a great topic. And I know exactly who I want to do this podcast with. Um, so thank you to our Summit member who requested that. And Kevin, thank you for being willing to partake in this conversation. I know you have a lot of experience being in the, in the, in this industry for 30 plus years, um, you know, pleasing customers, dealing with situations that arise because of course, every job can't go right. And customer service our customer service industry creates situations where you're just going to have to deal with them. Um, so of course there's lots of positives, but we'll talk about 
the negatives that happen and how to really best work through those and what you do um, in your situations. But first, let's start with a quick check-in, Kev. How are you? What's kind of going on in your world? Well, it is kind of funny. Uh, Everything's great and things are going well. It's springtime, and so we're looking forward to getting going this season. Um, but just as you, just as I was going into this call, I had, I heard that we had a problem with a customer and we were sending them their money back and we were leaving the job. So I don't know what's happening other than I hope that my training has kicked in and that we've done everything, um, in the right way. Um, but, um, no, generally it's good. You know, about a month ago, we celebrated, um, our 500th Google review, uh, with a 4.9 rating. And um, I think we've gotten another 22 just since then. So uh, mostly the, the good re- reviews keep coming in and the good report cards keep coming in. And that makes me happy. It always does when I read these nice things that people say. And, you know, when we think about this topic and you just said it there earlier and it just stuck with me, not every job can go well. And, you know, I don't know what, what that ultimately means. It just means that when things don't go well, you have to just compartmentalize it and not get all worked up about it. Um, remember all the good reviews and good customers and then deal with this, this situation and not get all uh, stressed and worked up about it. And it's easy for me to say that now. Well, it's, you, it's, it's so true, though, especially right now. I mean, for a lot of especially, you know, East Coast and or or like the northern part of the country is kind of moving into spring and moving into summertime and yeah. the jobs are ramping up and you're insanely busy and so one yeah, and you know you get customers calling you get customers you. calling that something on their house doesn't look right maybe I've heard even from other summit members that they say that that in the spring they get a lot of callbacks from the previous year and I suppose we do too and we try to jump on them because we want them. You know, we don't want anybody to have to beg to get a, a touch-up or repair done if mm-hmm. they're deserving of such. Um, but, but yeah, one- it's a time of year. Everything's coming at you. Um, people are, are um, just really all of a sudden interested in the same thing, which is getting an exterior project or an interior project done. The spring has always been the kickoff, the, mo- the busiest time of the year. And typically, you know, we'll line up the whole season, mm-hmm. you know, mostly right now. At least we have the last couple of years. Yeah, and that continues to be, I feel like, the the case around the country. There's, there's the backlog into into late yeah. summer, into early fall with both exteriors and interiors. And so kind of going back, we when these situations arise, we don't want the negative experience to derail all the positive jobs, all the good jobs that are going on. The, the train has to keep kind of going down, down the rail. Um, so we got to kind of stay on track and I guess have a process for how to handle these situations, put training in place, uh, which you know, I know we'll speak to so that your team knows how to handle um, a situation when, when things do happen. Um, and also, you know, really just how to avoid a lot of these problems. Right. Because a lot of times it's a customer who somehow, some way, I mean, there's a couple of different variables here. There's the hyper picky customer. Obviously, there's a customer who just isn't comfortable um, with some aspect of people in their home. Um, obviously, there's the customer from hell who, you know, is maybe has mental health issues or uh, family issues or something going on there. Um, and, you know, you're moving into their house. Um, either inside or outside, you're moving to their house and you're part of their lives for some period of time. And, and I always you, say, 
you become collateral me. damage. <laughs> you become yeah. collateral damage to the other things okay. that are going going on in their life that yeah. they redirect their 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 stress, their frustration on the people who are doing projects for them. Yeah, you know, one of the things is you you just have to once again getting back to just compartmentalizing and handling it rationally. Um, you just have to decide that you're going to do your best. Um, and then ultimately, if that's not good enough, um, you're going to negotiate your way out of situations. That's sort of what we've, that's sort of the mentality is we're going to do our best. And that might mean multiple attempts at getting something to the customer satisfaction. But then if not, uh, we're going to negotiate our way out of it. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be kind of stubborn about that and want to stay and, do whatever it took and prove that I was a good enough painter. Um, but that is not the best business approach. Um, best business approach is to negotiate. Um, and, you know, I think about lawsuits that happen. The only time that you're going to get sued is if you breach a contract. And so you want to negotiate your way out of problems. So, um, and, you know, if you give somebody their money back and everything's uh, OK, otherwise you've cleaned up whatever you've started. Um, at that point, there's no damages to the customer. Um, they may be aggravated, um, but typically you can get them to agree to take their money back um, or some part of it or um, something like that and get them to agree not to uh, post any online comments. And right, you want so to protect the reputation. Yeah, we just have to do that. We have so many jobs that that's what we have to do. We do, I mean, almost 3,000 jobs a year. Um, you know you're going to run into these weird situations where um, you're just going to have to be smart about it. Um, and a lot of what we've been able to do is cultivate good clients, you know, the repeat customers that now you can count on them. Because we have like 18,000 you know, really good clients um, that uh, we like. And then we have a little over a thousand that are starred, meaning they have a star in front of their name. So they're in our system, but they don't, um, they don't get scheduled for appointments if they call. Um, it gets referred to a salesperson um, and the salesperson will uh, typically send them uh, some type of communication indicating we do not want to work for them. Mm. So... I try to be honest with people um, and we don't want to go out and charge them a million dollars. We don't want to ignore them. I've done this for a lot of years. If you ignore them, that's really problematic. They just keep calling. And then the next thing you know, they're really raising a ruckus. Uh, if you charge them a million dollars, they'll literally, they'll literally post online that you're a jerk or something like that. It's really better just to be honest with them. Yeah. And um, so we have two, uh, two lines that we use. Um, so basically, if we're not going to do work for a customer again, we say to them, um, after careful consideration, we've decided to pass on this opportunity. Thank you. Um, say no more. There is one line more we can sometimes add if it's warranted, and it may or may not. But sometimes that's not going to be enough for somebody who maybe you just finished a $20,000 job for and a year later they call for more work. Yeah, they're like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean we can't work together? Yeah, that one we'd say, you know, first name, Joe, um, I'm sorry, but the last time we worked together, it didn't go well for Nolan Painting. 
after careful consideration, we're going to pass in this opportunity. Okay. So say no more. Say and no this more. Is, this is for jobs that you've done in the past and it didn't go well. There were issues that happened and you'd rather not work with them again. So if That's they call, not. if they, if they call to become a repeat customer, they're starred in the system and that, that, that estimator has that language to send to them. So after doing this for 30 or 40 years, you'd be surprised how, how, how basically important that all becomes to be able to cultivate the customers you want, mm-hmm. to be able to stay away from the customers that are problematic. It really is a game changer. So that now, you know, we have about 50% of our customers or more during seasons of the year, like the winter, it's usually even more, are, are, are past customers and they're all vetted. So already I'm in better shape because I know these people. Um, and now I'm taking on new customers. You know, my estimators are out looking at new customers that we marketed for or, or even referrals, some of them. They could be referrals, they're still new. Um, in fact, a lot of them would mostly be referrals. But then, it, then we're going to go look, meet those people. And once again, if they don't fit into the category that we think we can satisfy them, we, we've trained our salespeople. I mean, we talk about this all the time to send that, that email. After careful consideration, we've decided to pass on the opportunity. Thank you very much. Um, and then, so then what happens is the customer, they may call back. So now I'm gonna explain to you a, a concept that um, I picked up somewhere and I've used it to great effect, but you gotta be careful with it. It's called intelligent neglect. Mm. Okay. So they call back, you neglect that. You do not respond. That would have been their first reaction. Okay. They got the email, they called. So they liked you. What do you mean you're not going to do the job? I liked you. Um, So you have to ignore that. Okay. Now, if they call back again, now is where the intelligent part comes in. You do not neglect anymore. Now you call back. And you simply just state really nothing more than you said in the original email. It may frustrate them, um, but I'm telling you, it's very, very effective to use that and the pregnant pause. Yeah, I'm sorry. We've just decided that um, we're not interested in that project. Thank you. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. We're just not interested. I mean, that's it. That is it. So anything you say can and will be used against you. Believe me, I've done it. I've said it. <laughs> I've regretted it. Yeah. So um, again, that's again why I'm having you handle this podcast because you've been, you've just, you've done this. Uh, you've, you've been down the road. You know, you've learned things along the way. Um, but a lot of it comes to Kev from cultivating just a, a culture of customer service from from the very beginning with your team so i mean trying to trying to get your team on the same page of understanding what the nolan painting promise is what the mission is of the company how they should be handling the customer on the job i mean you guys you guys speak to that right right so yeah so i'm gonna get back to that sales thing again in a minute but let's let's talk about the actual customer service for a second yeah into that direction so when we hire somebody, you know, um, we, we try to bring out, I, I would like to say that we hire friendly, obviously, in trained painting. Um, and that may or may not be the case as much as you don't always have control 
over all the people you hire. And if you're going to basically, everybody's going to be as friendly as you would like them to be. So we train friendliness. We basically, um, we, I tell them in an orientation, I go through this whole thing with them. I tell them, this is not optional. Um, you need to treat the customer this way. This is, by the way, all companies do this, script it. You tell them how you want them to do it. And you tell them it's not optional. And um, then you judge them within two weeks to see that they're following through um, with this behavior profile that we do in a lot of these, the first two weeks of their, their job to see that, they're, that their behaviors are, the, are what we're looking for. So, I mean, I always knew in the beginning that it really, that there's no such thing as a perfect paint job, but there really is a good experience that you can provide. And the good experience also means that the job is well done. Um, but um, craftsmanship aside, neat, clean, the lines are straight, everything is smooth. That's a given. That's really what people hire a painter for. Now, you have this opportunity to create something special around that by uh, being really, really friendly, um, looking people in the eye. So we have something called the five, five steps to friendliness, and I go through it with them um, all the time. Um, basically, I want them to look the, cu the customer in the eye and, you, and, and use the name of the customer in a sentence, introducing yourself, okay? And then the follow-up is to do the exact same thing on day two, including the reintroduction of your name. So what happens is, is people forget your name when they first hear it. And then when they are given the opportunity to be reminded day two, they're grateful to you. 100%. That you gave them that lifeline. Okay, I won't forget this time. Yeah. Because, and the reason why I know this works so well is because our report cards, not our reviews, or not the reviews, that's well, they, in the reviews too, but our report cards, which are far more numerous than our, re, our Google reviews, our report cards, um, you know, we're getting 2,000 of these a year in, uh, all have names of people in there. Mike was fantastic. He was great with my dog. You know, um, Joe and Erin were fantastic with my kids. They dealt with the chaos in our house. Like all that stuff, right, is names. It's names. You know, Dale Carnegie said it, the person's name is the sweetest sound to them. So you need to use their name. They need to know your name. We need to get this first name basis thing going. Um, obviously, um, saying hello and goodbye is, um, is really underrated in the contractor world. Okay. So, I mean, it's in the business world, you say hello to someone when you see him in the contractor world, they just have to be taught to do this. So when you show up in the morning before you commence work, you make a formal good morning to the customer. Hello, I'm here. Okay. An introduction for the day. Once again, reminding them your name again. Right. If if when they tell you on day three, no, 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 I know it. It's OK. I know your name is Joe. That's when you can stop. OK, so then um, you're telling them when you're there and then you're saying when you're leaving. OK, so you're leaving their home at the end of the day. Um, do not drift into your car and drive away. You need to have a formal goodbye. I'm leaving your property. Thank you for having me as the guest today mentality. Um, and then ultimately thanking them for the job. And, and then so that was four. I just went, meandered to four there. Um, and then the fifth one is to have fun. Um, and, you know, we just read the book Fish. I know you guys are reading the book Fish. Yep. And having fun is really 
a good place to be. If you can have fun in the job and the people are having fun, um, the employees are having fun, they just sense they're getting a better job when everybody seems to care, enjoy, and is having fun. So, um, and you know, we're, we're always looking to be a best place to work. And, and those are the things that uh, we value. So uh, that's some of the training. Um, and then obviously we've gone through training about customer service issues with um, when you have a problem, like when you get into a problem. So uh, the really this would be handled by a job leader who would be the point person. The, the, obviously the training they all get is if there's something the customer points out, take care of it right away. That's, that's a no brainer, right? Don't wait. Don't, they're going to think you forgot about it. So jump on it right away. Customer points something out, jump on it right away. By the way, if they make you jump on things every day, every day, all the time, now you're a yo-yo. So now you don't do that. Now you stop and you do some intelligent neglect maybe, but what you really do is you pass it up to your job leader and or supervisor. And we start talking about how to manage the customer's expectations and things like that. And typically we'd involve communication. We're going to communicate with the customer. We're going to tell them, Hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z. When we finish, we're going to go back over the whole thing again. So there's no worries that you're going to, we're going to get everything. And then we're going to do a final inspection. Then we're going to let you do a final inspection. So that kind of communication from a, a supervisor or field manager will make the customer typically feel um, at ease. And that's what we're, that's what we're really trying to, to achieve, right? We're trying to make them right. comfortable and happy. Yeah, so, setting the tone from the start that this is yeah. going to be a good experience. The, the the customer knows the individuals in their home that they they've been respectful. I mean, you could ruin the the job off the bat by the way you step into somebody's house yeah. and how how you engage with them. Yeah, um, absolutely. So make them feel comfortable. Make them feel like. Yeah, yep. I, I hired the right people. They they were they yeah. were kind to me when they first walked in the door. So set the tone correctly. Yep. So now let's see what else happens. We break things a lot and we scratch things. Um, and we don't make a big deal of it at all. We, we, we do not try to be cheap at all. Uh, we fix whatever needs to be fixed. Uh, we've had to recoat many, many times, had to recoat entire floors, um, putting people up in hotels even uh, while their floors are being redone. Obviously, that's a disaster. Um, that we largely have been able to avoid going forward, but we do have an active uh, relationship with the floor guy who fixes a lot of floor stuff for us. Uh, we seem to mess up blinds a lot. We do lots of training around that. Maybe we haven't had any blinds recently, but that's a thing. Um, and then other little things break here and there on the job. And we try to be really proactive about it. Obviously tell the customer about it, apologize apologize profusely a couple of times um, and then get it fixed. If it's a plumber, get a plumber out there, um, fix, 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 fix them quick, um, handle it really professionally and turn it into a positive. And most customers will still give us a 10 out of 10, even if we broke something and fixed it. So um, that's just something you have to just build into the cost of doing business. Um, and, um, you know, and then once again, I was talking about apologizing, being sorry. So know how to apologize to a customer without. Um, so there's there's a couple different types of apologies. Uh, the, the first apology is we made a mistake. We're sorry. Unconditional apology. 
no excuses tied to it, nothing. So understand if that's the tool you need going into something, mm-hmm. you just have to do an unconditional apology. You know, sometimes is the apology that you can't meet their expectations. That's a little bit more gray. Um, and, you know, I might say things like, I'm sorry we didn't satisfy you, or I'm sorry we couldn't meet your expectations. You know, now we're trying to basically come to some kind of understanding with the customer on where these expectations are. Um, I hope everybody in the painting industry knows what a properly painted surface is. Um, PDCA standard from, I don't know, 1998 or something. Might have been tweaked a couple times, but the standard is um, a definition of a, a painted surface. And I can paraphrase most of it. It's one that is uh, it's free of bumps, sags, lumps, strips, holidays, skips, misses, um, when viewed at um, one meter under normal lighting conditions without magnification. So that's in our contract. Okay. Um, and it's you can search and find it. It's a publicly available document. And we may have to occasionally let the customer know that they can't be using lights and things like that um, to go over areas, it's got to be natural light or the light that would normally be in that room. Um, and so we definitely have these pushbacks to customers when they start making unreasonable expectations. Um, and then if they get a little bit squirrely or act, um, you know, very upset, um, you know, we'll, we'll fall on the sword and apologize that we're having a hard time meeting their expectations. And, um, Ultimately, we might give them some of their money back to look to get out of there. Um, I mean, uh, I would say that sometimes a hasty retreat might be the best thing to do. Um, it's not about pride. It's about doing the right thing and, and actually in providing value to the customer still. So I've done conversations like um, they'll say, well, you were the highest paid painter and we didn't expect this from you. You know, you were the highest bid. I said, well, what was the other next closest bids? So and we'll have a conversation. Let's say it was $1,000 more. Well, if I gave you $1,000 back, would you be happy? Yeah, I'd be happy. And then we're done. And we write them a check for 1000 or we take 1000 off the bill. Mm-hmm. And off we go. And it happens. I don't think it happens every week, but it happens every other week here. It's not me doing it a lot of times now. It's the estimators typically. Yeah, so uh, what's kind of that? I don't want to say the chain of command there, but what? How are things escalated, or the sort of the chain of, of management of getting involved or being able to make those decisions? Obviously, you just said you're not the one handling these things now, and that's a, that's good. You have yeah. delegated, but yeah, how well, does I'm that happen? Still, I'm still coaching. I might say, tell them this, or let's try that. Yeah, you know, I might be behind the scenes uh, involved because one of the things you don't want to have happen is the customer with a bad problem call and say. Um, I don't know if you've heard about our situation and you know nothing about it. Like that would be bad. <laughs> True. Still, that'd be bad still now. Um, so I want to know all about it and I want to be able to help coach. And um, like I said to Tiago yesterday on one of these jobs, I said, listen, I could call the customer. I've done it in the past, but really I'll be, I won't be here for, you know, forever. So you should probably just call the customer. So it's not like I have to be, um, I have to, you know, I used to feel guilty if I wasn't the one that was willing to pick up the phone and call the customer and show someone how to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, at this point, um, 
I've done it. I've done it, and I can now coach. Um, so, bottom line is, a job leader, person on the job, is supposed to do, uh, like I said, whatever it takes to make the customer happy, even redoing things, even putting third coats on. They can push back on the salesperson about it, but not on the customer. Um, in other words, they could say to the salesperson, "I need more hours. This customer is asking for X, Y, and Z. They need another. They want another coat." So now the customer, now the salesperson is naturally going to have to be involved because those hours would would cost the salesperson in his calculations. So, um, so that's, but that's just typically, that's done. That's done routinely right through the course of a week, just to do all these jobs you have going, customers want something done again, they're not happy with something, you fix it, no problem. Now, if it gets to a situation where they're not happy at all, and this has gone on a couple of times and it looks like it's costing the job a lot, um, it'll start to come up at meetings. And at that point, um, the field manager and the salesperson estimator will have conversation. Um, and ultimately it's up to the salesperson to negotiate whatever it takes um, to get out of this job um, and get as much money as we can and get the customer as happy as possible and not post a negative review and to mitigate all those factors. And um, and it's, it's always worked over the years. Um, you know, for the most part, um, I've had a really good track record. I've never been in court until once. I got in court once. <laughs> until once. Um, I just settled it. It was a three-year deal. Customer basically kicked us off the job, or I should say we kind of left because they weren't giving a second payment on a $60,000 paint job. And I know I had been hearing about the job, and I – was sort of forcing the issue. Either they give us a second thousand second payment, twenty thousand dollars. We were nearly done. Either give us a second payment, or we're not going to keep working away to hit your deadline. Um, and they kind of called our bluff, and they sued us. By the way, what we did, we, we didn't help help a whole lot in the end. But we all wrote down all the notes that we remembered. I made everybody, all the painters, all write down all emails. They emailed us all the notes that conversations that were had because it, it took three years to settle the case. Um, and I was um, the paint company, the dealer I buy from and me were both sued. Um, and it cost three hundred thousand uh, dollars between the two wow. of us. Um, so lawsuits are no way to resolve issues. We know this. Mm -hmm. um, I've had customers say, I had a customer that was not going to pay us $11,300 and he was a lawyer. And I said, I know my rights. I'm going to sue you. And he said, go ahead. And I never sued him. I just moved on. <laughs> yeah, just, but it, it, it's like, it's tough because there is that pride there versus knowing the cost of, of going through that process, just not worth it. It's never going to be worth it. Now, the I met with him. I thought I let him think I'm going to sue him. So maybe maybe I'll make him sweat for a couple. But I had no <laughs> intention ever suing him because I knew it wasn't going to work. So you really have to negotiate your way out of situations, and um, that's the way to solve the problem. And once again, if you can negotiate a right, you, the customer can be satisfied and relieved that everybody was fair. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I say the estimator ultimately will make that decision. Um, and then they'll be running it by me, no question about it. I mean, $1,000, you know, maybe not so much, but 
1500 $2,000, $3,000. And I do expect to be kept, um, you know, in the loop about what's happening. Um, and, and so when you're, when you're coaching them on these conversations and you're talking about the problem, what are some recommendations that you're making for how to, how to approach about having a healthy conversation? Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things you talked about was that book, Crucial Conversations, in the outline yep. here. And um, I think about that all the time. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've managed to be much more thoughtful about what I'm going to say a minute or even 30 seconds to a minute down the road. So it's not like I'm reacting the way I seem like I used to, I think. Like I can, I can, I can pause I use the pregnant pause. I can reflect. I can think about my answer. I could even say to somebody, yeah, I'm not sure. Let me think about that. Where I never used to do that. I used to just give them an answer. Uh, <laughs> so I can pause, reflect, and choose and take my time and make better decisions. So um, when I think about crucial conversations and emotional intelligence and how they play together, um, I think about how am I going to, what am I going to say, is it going to offend anybody? And if it is, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a split second and change it up so it does not, it's not offensive. Um, and for the most part, I've been able to navigate that. And I train them to take their time. First off, don't be defensive. And then you're probably not going to be offensive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just don't be defensive. This is Customers living out some type of situation here, and you're you're here to help them. And we use terminologies like, um, you know, we're not satisfied unless you're satisfied. Our, you know, our goal is to get you 100% satisfied. And if you say that in the middle of a conversation, they'll back it down. Typically, they'll back it down. But listen, my goal is to make you happy. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. You know, this way we can stop talking about that particular little minute detail. Let's talk about I'm here to make you happy. Now we can get back to the detail. Maybe it's re reframed. So we're, we're talking about these things with people. Um, and a lot of times I'll have them watch me. You know, like we, a lot of times they watched me solve customer problems, um, whether it was, you know, on a job or on a speakerphone where I would, the other person would be in the room. Because if I, if I call a customer back about a job, I put it on, I usually put, I usually bring somebody who has knowledge of the job you know, with me on the call, like I wouldn't get on a call where I didn't know anything about anything mm -hmm. except for what the accusations were. I would want somebody there, either they would be announced that they were in the room or they would uh, be in the room and be passing me notes. But typically we would announce them and say, Colin's here as well. Hi, Joe, I know you're upset and called last night. I'm returning your phone call. Colin is here as well. Um, we're going we're to discuss your situation. Um, the, the upper hand here would be to be the to be the one calling them, like as opposed to you answering a phone call oh, from yeah, an yeah. angry customer. That's that intelligent neglect moment. If you know yeah. that customer's calling, they're angry. Oh, they want no to talk way, about okay. it. Don't yeah. answer the call. Maybe listen to the voicemail. Take some time to process it. Yeah, Think about what you're going to say, and then call call on your on when you're in the headspace to speak to no them because question. they're having an irrational or an amygdala hijack as well. Even if you want to schedule the call, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. Can I call you tomorrow morning at eight o'clock? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what we had one a week or so ago and that's what it was. And we called at eight o'clock in the morning. We asked if we could call them at eight o'clock in the morning and we did. And it was John and me on the call. 
and um, we sound reasonable. He sounded reasonable. Um, so, um, and then, you know, the whole concept of, um, like I say, maintaining your emotions so that you, they're not playing into it. So that's the whole concept, you know, of, of you know, you have emotions, you just need to know a little bit about how they work. They trigger, something triggers them, amygdala gets triggered, and now all of a sudden you feel irritated or annoyed. And, and those are, they're like tells. People can tell, well, he seemed like he was all defensive and things like that. So these are all part of emotional intelligence things. Um, and uh, we categorize emotion, emotional intelligence in self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, motivation, and social skills. So these are all the areas that are at play here. Your self-awareness, am I acting defensive? Am I able to control my emotions? Are they even, are they even rising up here? No, they shouldn't be. Empathy, I want to be able to understand the, the, the customer situation so I can help them. That's what my job is. Um, and then I'm motivated to give them 100% customer satisfaction and get better and better at sort of the details of how to provide that. Um, so it becomes really, you know, a game, like a game. And one of the things we talked about in the beginning of the call was that these things will happen and you need, you need some of these mechanisms to be able to deal with it so that you're not constantly stressed out by it. Um, because, you know, if you're stressed out by it over the long term, you're never going to be able to never be able to pull it off. Um, and actually, it is an area where a lot of times, a, you know, a job leader or crew leader will be just stressed out by customers um, because they'll do that to you. Um, but it's really it's important not to even let them penetrate your inner circle, not to even let them bother you in the slightest. You're just there to help. You're there. To, you're there to do your job, which is to make them happy. And um, if you can't make that person happy, move on to the next one. Yeah. And it sounds like I'm hearing that, you know, as, as an owner of a business to be sharing these, sharing these tools with your team and sharing the process of how these situations should be handled so that you as the owner aren't bearing the weight of all of these problems every day that you can you can share that stress kind of across to minimize the overall stress on you well absolutely yeah no one wants to be their chief problem solver i used to joke by the time the problems got to me they were really bad um and that may be the case but that but that's good though that means all these other problems are being solved all the time and you know I, can't feel, I like to think of it as a restaurant. You know, you're at a restaurant, you're going to have some customers that are ha- easier to please than others. Um, and if you had a bad, a bad customer, you would do whatever you could to get them out. You'd give them a free meal and you'd say, oh, by all means, um, you know, I hope you had a good evening. And you just get them out uh, because you got other customer to co- fill that table. And then tomorrow again and tomorrow again. And then, like I said before, cultivate the good ones. Um, because those are the ones that make life really good. And um, we still get, you know, like, I think that the tough customers represent one to 2% of our overall customers. And so um, that's really good numbers. That is really good numbers. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and kind of toward the, the end of it, well, maybe we'll wrap up here is, 
how these situations play out ultimately can impact reputation online. And so being able to kind oh, yeah. of safeguard <laughs> that, have mechanisms in place to protect that reputation. Great. Um, so you guys do obviously report cards internally and know what's going on, but then you also are trying to um, increase your Google reviews, your online or your online review presence. And so you use a company called Broadly to help you do that. You have a, a process in place that helps to direct the happy people, happy people to Google and the unhappy people to internal internal discussion. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So we send out a report card immediately. That's an internal. It goes out with the invoice. You know, it's the same thing on a scale of one, on a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood he refers to a family or friend. So if it's a nine or a 10, there's no action taken. If it's an eight, I quiz somebody on it. And if it's below that, I expect the action to be taken, meaning the person's called and we can find out what maybe we could do for them to generate a more favorable response. Whether they give us the response or not doesn't matter. I just mm -hmm. need them to be happy enough. Um, and then uh, that, that'll stop hopefully most folks from getting anywhere near Google, right? We're getting over 60%, 66% response rate of our clients. Uh, I know that leaves 34% or 35% unres unresponded to, but it's still high. Um, so then um, if you do get a Google review, which we've gotten negative Google reviews, um, mostly, uh, we've gotten rid of them, believe it or not. I think we may have one on there that might not be so good in the last year, but basically they're never having to do with us doing work. They're always stuff like, um, I don't know, we wouldn't work in their territory or, or, um, and sometimes we've been able to get Google to remove the review. If anything disparaging is said about an individual in the company, you can get the review usually removed. Like if they say, uh, you know, Joe is a terrible foreman. You, Google will remove that review because it got personal. So there's a lot of ways you can talk to Google and hopefully you have a Google advertiser or somebody that you might work with, but there are ways to talk to Google and to get these um, fraudulent, dishonest, or um, irrelevant reviews removed, um, which we've been able to do a lot. I mean, we got a review recently that somebody was complaining that our vehicle was parked in, in front of their house. I mean, how bad is that? They could have gone out and talked to us. We might have arrange something but yeah that just um, that's just silly at the end of the day yeah. like so we got that just, removed yeah we got it removed um so now if you can't get it removed or sometimes in the interim before you get it removed like there's a period before you get it removed or it might go on like three days so in that interim we would respond um with something along the line you know something like not defensive like um you know, we're working on this. Sometimes we get a review from somebody who never even worked for it. They're not in our system. And we'll say something along the lines of, you know, this person is not in our system where we're looking to see who they are. Um, so, um, but then um, also we might just say, um, we're very sorry, your situation didn't go well. Um, as you can see from our hundreds of other um, A-rated, five-star customers, we take our reputation seriously. Um, things along that nature. But we do not want to act um, defensive, once again. And we do want to respond. Um, and we try to kind of want to be neutral, but caring. Yeah. Um, and you could see countless examples in other, other industries, hotels and things like that, where they've responded. And it just looks like there's a caring, concerned company uh, versus... Uh, huh, a one-star review and nobody said anything about it. We would respond. 
to that one star review. Um, I don't know that we have many, or certainly don't have any legitimate ones, but we've got our, you know, we've got negative reviews and we've responded to them. And then um, typically you, you look, you look to go out and get another 10 positive reviews to pile on top. <laughs> right. um, but Google's changed the algorithm now. And what they do when you go to their site, they don't do latest, they do most relevant. And so one negative review gets pushed far back automatically unless there's a lot of them so um but you could be sure if a report card comes in my email which they come three or four times a day or if a google review comes and it comes a few times a week that that is um the first thing that we're all looking at i have about a dozen people looking at that ready to pounce on any problem so um so some some takeaways for for me for this conversation one are um, well, one not not to ignore the problems that are happening. To be talking about them internally and discussing how how we're going to solve them, um, but to be ready to make the customer happy, to be on to be on their side, and sure. and to get the team involved in understanding what you know what what that means essentially, um, but not going in like you said, not going in defensive, having some humility understanding that there may be other factors at play here and you just have to have the process, have the communication, talk to the customer and move on and do your best to get out of there and, and fill that next, fill the seat with the, with the happy customer who's, who's up, up next. Yeah. And just, you know, even though it is sometimes personal, just don't take it personal. I mean, yeah. it might be personal, but you just decide that you're just not going to let this um, dictate the way you feel about other people, other customers. You're going to be mm-hmm. positive to the next person. Um, and- I also love that you, you mentioned that, you know, the when there are problems, the sales team gets involved. It just kind of goes back to the conversation that I had with Jim Falk and Connor Mulraney on our last episode about how sales and operations have to work together and that there has to be a direct line of communication. There has to be respect on both sides of the departments for these situations to be able to be discussed. And I mean, you're a team, you're the team that's trying to make the customer happy. And so all people, you know, every part of the team has to be on the same page um, and ready to work together to solve. But I, we will recommend, and now Kev will too, uh, Crucial Conversations is a book that we speak to here at NOLA Consulting Group. Um, we've read it as part of our book club. I believe you meet a lot, a lot of folks on your team, Kev, have, have read it. But it's it's about tools for talking when the stakes are high. So uh, the stakes are high, there's differing opinions, and there's strong emotions. And when you've got those three you know, key components in play, it becomes crucial that that conversation is going to go one way or another. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to get professional at it, basically. Yeah, it's practice, right? Yeah, you got to get good at it because it's if you're going to grow, it's going to be part of life. It's going to be part of life, absolutely. Well, Kev, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Um, I know that you have spoken to other members in the past when they've had a, a customer situation and they needed to, t- you know, they're like. I need to bounce some ideas off of uh, off of somebody, and they've you know they've, so they've, they've given you a call. Well, and I'm happy to do that. If anybody uh, ever wants to call, I'm happy to have a conversation and and you know just uh, see if I can help. 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times these are tough situations. They're not easy to fix. They're not easy to fix. So use the people around you to kind of to talk about it. And and maybe you need to vent before you go back to the customer to have that conversation. But I think it's that PRC, that pause, reflect and choose. That is so, so key in all of this. That's a big takeaway with all this. And and then to choose how you want to how you want to respond. So what the response looks like. Yep. Uh, and that puts you in the driver's seat, I think. And you be the one with the with the most control over their emotions, and you know you'll you'll end up walking out, um, you know, on top of the gate. So, let's hope uh, let's hope that situation that I talked about at the beginning of the call has resolved itself. Yes, and let's hope that this is a Friday when we're recording this conversation. Let's hope that no more problems arise. It's a, exactly. on a beautiful Friday afternoon. You got uh, it. Have problems, eat problems for breakfast. Eat problems for breakfast. Good stuff. Well, Kev, thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.